All right. Well, let us let us pray as we get ready uh, to conclude our time on Sunday evenings in Ruth. Looking forward to our next uh, book we'll, we'll work through. But uh, let's go to the Lord now and ask for, for His provision. Oh, oh God, our, our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we come and ask that You would be with us this evening as we've enjoyed this day You've granted to us. We pray now that You would uh, teach us from Your Word and that uh, as we come to the end of uh, this book of Ruth that we would see Christ uh, held up before us uh, that we would be able to sit in awe and worship and, and with hearts full of thanksgiving. Uh, so, Lord, teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so turn your Bibles, if you haven't already, if you've got them with you, to Ruth chapter 4. I'm going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 22. If you don't have your Bible in front of you, you'll know that is the entire chapter. So we'll, we'll wrap uh, that up. Uh, Ruth, is, as I've mentioned a few times, teaches uh, God is always present, working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Uh, we've been uh, noticing as we've moved through that uh, Ruth's a love story about David's great-grandparents, uh, the ancestors of the God-man Jesus Christ. Uh, we've also seen uh, uh, that there's more than just this love story there as uh, we, we get a picture a type of, of Christ and the kinsman redeemer of, of Boaz. Um, we see God's uh, sovereign love and providential care for his people on display as we've worked our way through. Uh, it's always been pointing towards Christ, our redeemer, and now we come to the last chapter. And one of the things you'll notice is uh, of the main characters that we've been acquainted with, Boaz is the only one left who's going to be speaking. I think it's bringing us to a, a conclusion to the the type of Christ that he is, that we might especially uh, take focus on the kinsman redeemer role, pointing us towards the great redeemer, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, hear God's word, Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. He said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. And the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, 
and all that belonged to Chilion and Mahalon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mahalon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may this name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. I don't know. Is anybody here in a, a history buff? Do you like reading history? Maybe listening to podcasts, watching documentaries. You can just do like a very slight head nod if you don't want anybody else to see. So you don't want anybody to be like, history nerd. We're going to say history buff. We're going to be encouraging. I saw a few very slight head movements. So that's good. Yeah, history is very interesting you know, to see what God's been doing through through his providence working his way through. But there is an aspect that if you were to approach history not understanding that uh, God is moving through uh, providentially through redemptive history, that he's working and causing all these things to happen for his glory and the benefit of his church, that he's moving from uh, the garden to the new heavens, the new earth. If you don't see that, then there is a, an aspect to history that if you read it, study it, it kind of does seem chaotic. I mean, you could, in a, in a way, step to it and just say, wow, it's almost like one war to a next, and then a plague, and then a sickness, then a natural disaster, and then another war, and things bounce around, this, that, and that happen. But it's not as chaotic as we can allow it to be when we look at the big picture and see how the Lord uh, is, is working there. You know, and same with today. Think about it. It's pretty easy. You could look at what's happening even you know, in our own country, around the world, things, uh, economics, wars, uh, sicknesses here and there and you can think man it's just total chaos it's chaotic things are bouncing around from here to there and unless you take a step back and look and see no no, the lord is working what is it that god might be doing right now Uh, you can have that same concern or maybe uh, fall under the impression that it is just a a chaotic life uh, that we're living in but amidst what seems to be chaotic we we've seen in ruth moving through that that god uh, uses that. So as we come to the fourth chapter, we're going to remember kind of our big points. It's a little longer than normal, but maybe that'll help you grab onto it. 
uh, is this. The Lord Jesus Christ sovereignly uses the seemingly chaotic circumstances of life to redeem his people that we may enjoy an eternal saving covenant relationship with him. And we've seen that through Ruth. Things that seemed chaotic, seemed to not make any sense, and yet the Lord was weaving all these things together to get to the point where we begin the book and there's famine and there's widows and there's death. Ruth is a foreigner without a land and then we come to the end and we have the genealogy being laid out leading to David, King David, which we know then would point towards the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes in the line of David. So we're just going to look at two things together. Just spend a couple minutes. Redemption is the act of the Redeemer, and redemption brings God's covenant blessings. So redemption is the act of the Redeemer. Boaz, if you remember last time we were together, Boaz, the last thing he said to Ruth is that he was going to immediately go about figuring out what the situation was regarding this Redeemer, that he was going to make sure that either he was going to redeem Ruth and Naomi, or he would check in and make sure that the other potential redeemer who was closer would do his duty but he wasn't going to let naomi and ruth uh, sit in the situation they are in he was going to move and act and that's what we see moving into chapter four he does just what he says he was going to do that very next day even as naomi had had told ruth to to wait and see the the man is going to move quickly and he did and we see it in in chapter four that uh, the first thing we began to read that, that Boaz goes. He goes to the gates of the city. Now, the gates of the city, they'd be like going to town hall. That's where everything's happening as far as the civil uh, state there in Bethlehem. The elders, everyone's at the, the gates. That's where the business is transacted. That's where any type of court situation would come about. So we see another one of these uh, not-so-random chaotic events. Remember earlier in Ruth when when uh, Ruth decided she was going to go and glean from the field, and it just so happened. She goes into the field of one of her close redeemers. And then not only is she in the field of one of the close kinsmen redeemers, but just so happens he ha- he's visiting the field and sees Ruth. Well, it wasn't just so happy. It wasn't just chaos. It wasn't random. It was what God was doing, ordering the steps of his people. And we see again God ordering the steps of Boaz because what happens when he gets there? He's there and he's not even, it's like he literally just sits down and he looks over and he's like, oh, there he is. That's who I'm looking for. The redeemer, the closer, the one kinsman redeemer closer than he walks by. And of course, you've got the elders that are right there. Easy to grab them. He pulls everyone together and we, we read the, the the discussion uh, that took place. This man comes. This Don't even get his name. Uh, in fact, uh, if I am understanding the uh, and remembering correctly in, in the Hebrew, I think he's even referred to as Mr. So-and-so. Almost just we don't have a name because he's not the focus of the story. We need to know about him, but it's not about this closer kinsman redeemer. It's about Boaz and what he's about to do in this act of uh, redeeming uh, of Ruth and, of course, Naomi with Ruth. So we see this you know, seemingly chaotic time. Remember, this is set in the days of the judges. Judges is like up, down, up, down, up, down, crazy. Uh, they just came out of the famine. Uh, in the midst of that, remember Naomi and Ruth's situation? It seems to be a, a, a day of chaos in this, uh, and yet the Lord is, is clearly working through. The Redeemer has come. He is... He is quickly moving to do what needs to be done 
uh, that he might uh, redeem Ruth and Naomi, and that God will care for them as he has promised uh, he would. So Boaz does this, this very thing. He, he's, you know, it's kind of a, maybe shrewd. He's, he's very, he's laying it out to this closer kinsman redeemer. He's reminding him of his, of his responsibilities and telling him of the need for the, re, the redemption to happen. And then he throws in at the end, but just so you know, just keep in mind, uh, in this act, it's not just that you're going to be buying Naomi's fields, but you also need to provide uh, an heir by marrying Ruth, the widow, the Moabite. And that's when the closer redeemer says, oh, wait, I, I can't do that. I've got my own inheritance and situations. And in that, it opens the door for Boaz to step in and happily uh, to go about in providing uh, redemption for Naomi and Ruth. Um, Boaz moves quickly. He accomplishes. He, he makes it happen. I think there's even a picture here we see of, of God and the way that Christ, our great Redeemer, works. He is the one that he is direct. He's gone about it. Uh, he came. He did what needed to be done. His mission in his earthly uh, ministry. He redeemed his people on the cross. Resurrection. Uh, he didn't mess around. He didn't, he didn't hope things would happen. He took, as it were, the bull by the horns. And he redeemed the church, even as we see Boaz moving and accomplishing this redemption here. Uh, before us. Something that as we, we think about, uh, I hope we're regularly in our prayers and thoughts thanking the Lord for his direct care and love and, and the redemption that he's given to his church. So redemption is an act of the Redeemer, and then the redemption brings God's covenant blessings. So once the redemption happens, as we mentioned, part of that, the big part of that is uh, the marriage. <coughs> Boaz marries Ruth, uh, and in that, uh, the, the kinsman Redeemer marries her um, as soon as Boaz redeems Ruth and Naomi through, uh, through Ruth they're married and, and the Lord uh, blesses their marriage by providing the heir uh, we find out his name is uh, Obed he's born and so uh, Obed is born um, and as we, we read later Obed who's the father of Jesse the father of, of David so this is the grandfather of uh, David, and he is the uh, fulfillment of God's covenant faithfulness that we see. As God provided for this Leverite uh, kinsman redeemer uh, situation, and God has shown that he is faithful to this because in the birth of Obed, that provides uh, for Naomi this land, this inheritance of the family not to disappear in the death of her husband and her sons. Uh, but for it to be continued so that they might be uh, the family counted amongst uh, God's people in the land there in the old uh, covenant. There's also, you know, we see here, we, we, we can say, oh, that's exciting. They got married. You know, people generally like marriages. You know, they buy magazines about weddings. They get all excited. Uh, but there's a bigger picture here, I think, tying into and, and laying a seat. Remember the kinsman redeemer, uh, the covenant relationship that's there with Christ pointing towards. But we also see throughout scriptures how marriage uh, is a very real metaphor, the relationship between God and his people. Not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. So throughout the scriptures, it's this metaphor uh, that is given. God refers to his people, even in the Old Covenant, in Israel, as his bride. And he refers to uh, himself uh, as the bride 
groom. And then we are given the picture in the New Testament, uh, the description that uh, in Ephesians, um, um, we're, we're told about how the father gave to the son uh, a bride, and that bride that he gave is the church. And that is God's, God's people. So marriage uh, we see happening here, but we're reminded of the metaphor that, is it, that it is in the Scriptures. Uh, as we read in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, uh, uh, the description of this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So there's even an aspect where the scriptures talk about when a, when a man and a woman are brought together in marriage, how they become one flesh, that there's also uh, a metaphor there looking at the union with Christ that the church enjoys, that Christians enjoy. Um, something that is, as it, it says here, a mystery that is great and profound, but what God uh, is doing again this language this marriage language used throughout the old testament and new testament describe the relationship uh, between god and his church and we we sang our hymn a few moments ago uh, the church is one foundation and the first verse particularly there's a lot of the same imagery there um and the church is for, uh, one foundation the, the first verse which i will not sing as much as that disappoints many of you I will just read it. But listen again to what we're saying. Listen to these words, this, this imagery that we were praising God with. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. So even the way that points back to scriptures, even what we read there in Ephesians 5, we, we back up and we come back to, to Ruth chapter 4, and we see the, uh, on, a, on a much lesser scale the imagery of Boaz who's up immediately going that he might accomplish the redemption of Ruth and, and Naomi as he goes and he does these things. Christ, even more, the greater redeemer. Uh, he is the one that, that does these, these things, coming from heaven, seeking his bride, purchasing her with his own blood, and for her life he died. Again, I hope we don't ever feel like it's a dead horse we're hitting when we talk about how much the Lord Jesus Christ loves his church, how much Jesus loves his people. We can't, we can't ever beat that dead horse. It's not a dead horse. We're not beating it. We are simply being encouraged and reminding ourselves of the great truth how much Christ loves his people. And whenever we begin to doubt it, dear saints, we just need to think about what is it that Christ did to purchase my redemption? Boaz rushes to the gates. Boaz goes to redeem. Boaz goes to 
redeem Ruth and he purchases the field. He does these things. And that was just a, a small little picture pointing forward to what Christ did, coming, taking on flesh, living his own, under his own law, dealing with all the things we read about in the Gospels, and then going to the cross, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, and having the sins of his people placed on him. And then the eternal wrath that our sins deserved, he, he took that on the cross. And he rose from the dead and, and sits and reigns in, in heaven now and we're in union with him and and we enjoy the Holy Spirit that dwells us, bringing us into union with him and as he brings us into fellowship with the Father. And as we think about any time we get to the point where we start thinking, Does God really love me? What what is it? What does he think about me? What does he care about me as his as his adopted child? We should remember the love that Christ has for his church and his people. And hopefully, by God's grace, as you recount these things, immediately you realize, oh, Lord, how foolish and silly that was that I even began to doubt. Strengthen strengthen my understanding of the love that you have for me and grow my love for you. Dear saints, you are dearly loved by Christ. So Boaz and Ruth give birth to Obed. This covenant blessing, uh, God working immediately to, I think, confirm uh, that this is right and good, that the uh, redemption has happened, this kinsman redeeming, this redemption has taken place. It has been uh, fulfilled. Obed is born, and there is much rejoicing. You know, everybody gets excited when, when, when children are born. We see that. What does it say about the, the women of the town? They're, they're pretty pumped up. They're excited. They're rejoicing with Naomi. They're rejoicing um, for how uh, God is working and staying faithful to his covenant, to his people. So God blesses uh, Boaz and Ruth's marriage with the birth of Obed. The, the blessing extends, of course, eventually down to uh, the birth line of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer. And we'll close with this. What, what someone else wrote, reflecting on, on this great reality here at the end of chapter 4 in Ruth. As a Redeemer, Boaz not only takes Ruth as a wife, but he also fulfills the Levite law by producing a son to carry on Elimelech's family line. We see Ruth's need fulfilled in verse 13, which reads, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. But this wasn't merely a son. This was a special son who would preserve the royal line from which not only the great King David would descend through, but most importantly, through whom would descend the greatest king, King Jesus. This is why the language of Isaiah chapter 9 that Handel so brilliantly expressed in the Messiah joyfully anticipates the birth of a son, a son who would be named Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins as we read in Matthew one twenty one. It was this son who would redeem his elect as the ultimate kinsman redeemer. Though Boaz redeemed the line of Elimelech, Jesus would come to redeem all the people of God. It was him to whom Boaz's position pointed to, for in the person and work of Christ was found the true definition of the kinsman redeemer. Lord Jesus Christ sovereignly uses the seemingly chaotic circumstances of life to redeem his people that we may enjoy an eternal saving 
covenant relationship with him. All right. Well, let us enjoy our our time of prayer. We'll wrap up the, uh, the reading and preaching of God's word with our corporate prayer meeting now.